All right, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, um, we're going to read from verse 7, just a few verses. It's page 1785 in the blue Bibles in your pew. One thing about losing my Bible, I can use the pew's Bible, which is good. <laughs> All right, 1 Corinthians 12, 7. All right, now um, I'm going to start. Uh, now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the coming good, okay? Uh, to one, there is giving through the Spirit the message of wisdom, to another the message of knowledge by means uh, of the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by, this, by the one Spirit, uh, to another miraculous powers, to another prophecy, to another distinguish between spirits, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, um, and to still another the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of the one, of one and the same spirit, and he gives them to each one just as he wills or just as he determines, okay? Uh, we have been talking about the Holy Spirit for a while now. Uh, we took a break last week. Uh, we started talking about you shall receive power from Acts chapter 1-8. And then we talked about the power signs and wonders when we went through the book of Acts. And then we dwelled two weeks so far on the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And today we're going to close up the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We left with three. Uh, the discernment of the spirits the tongues, and the interpretation of tongues. We have a lot of material to cover today, so I'm not going to go back and review. The good news is you can find it on the website now, so you can go back and review it yourself, okay? We're just going to move on with the last three gifts that the Holy Spirit gives to the church, um, and we're going to, uh, I, th I think I'm excited about today's message. So let's start with the uh, discernment of the Spirit. Um, what is it? Discernment in the Spirit it is not to be, like, perceptive, okay? A lot of people are perceptive by nature, and that's a gift from God. But once again, remember what we said before. All these nine gifts of the Holy Spirit, they are all supernatural. If it can be done in the natural realm, then it is not one of these gifts that we're talking about. So discerning, discerning the spirits is not just to be perceptive and understand people when you spend a few minutes with them. Discernment of the Spirit simply means to see into the spiritual realm, something supernatural that you can uh, distinguish and understand. What are examples of that in the New Testament? I'll give you two examples of the discernment of the Spirit. The first example in 1 Corinthians 14, 29, when Paul talks about examining prophecy. Okay, So the context here is service in the church. A couple of people stand up, a couple of prophets, and through the Spirit of God, we talked about prophecy last time, we talked about the gifts, they give a supernatural revelation about something about to happen in the future. And Paul is saying that some of you can examine that prophecy and determine if that prophecy is from God or it is not. So you are supernaturally, by the power of the Holy Spirit, can discern which is from God and which is not from God, okay? So that's one example of what discernment of the Spirit can do. A second example, we're going to compare two scriptures. Um, I'm going to give you the reference. You don't have to turn there. I'm going to read it for you, okay? So listen carefully to these two scriptures here, okay? And this is from the ministry of Jesus, okay? 
The first one is in Luke eleven fourteen. This is what the Bible says. And he was casting out demons. That's Jesus. He was casting out demons. And it was mute. So it was when the demon had gone out that the mute spoke and the multitude marveled. Okay? That's Luke eleven fourteen. Jesus cast out a demon from a mute person. And once the demon is out, the mute spoke. Now, another scripture. Ma- Matthew fifteen thirty. Everything is online again. You can go home and uh, print it and read it as much as you want. Um, Matthew 15, 30. This is what the Bible says. Then great multitudes came to him, having with them the lame, okay, blind, the mute, the maimed, and many others. And they laid them down at Jesus' feet, and he healed them. Okay? In the second example, the Bible doesn't say that he cast out demons from them. He healed them. So in these two scriptures here, we have mute person. Okay, the first one, Jesus cast out the demon, the mute start speaking. The second example, they bring a mute person to Jesus and Jesus just healed them. And that's when the gift of the discernment of the Holy Spirit can kick in. Because you'll see beyond the natural. So for example, you'll know if somebody is sick because of demons behind that sickness or is it just a natural physical Infirmity, just something went wrong, you know, you know, the kidney's not working or something like that, you know, or is there demonic powers behind it? Is it, for example, because of unforgiveness, that's why a person is sick, or is it because they're just getting old, you know? So discernment of the spirit help you to see in the spiritual realm, behind what is, seems natural to you. And once again, over and over, I'm emphasizing, all these gifts are supernatural. If, if it can be done in the natural world, it is not one of the manifestations of the Holy Spirit. Amen? So that's the discernment of the Spirit. Now let's move to the gift of tongues. Okay, this is one of the most divisive. Uh, you know, people disagree on it. Some people go as crazy as saying that you needed to be saved. That's obviously unbiblical. Some people go total the opposite spectrum and say it, it ceased and it's not for us anymore. Obviously, we as the Alliance churches, we say that both are wrong. Tongues are still for today and it hasn't ceased and tongues is not required for salvation. We know that, okay? You need sa- you're only saved by the grace of God through faith. However, it, it, once again, it's a very divisive, very itchy subject, but I'm not going to throw the baby with the bathwater. Okay, I'm going to address it. I'm going to discuss it with you guys. And I'm going to try to be as honest to the scripture as I possibly know how. When I'm open to be wrong, if I'm wrong, just come and tell me and we'll, we'll figure it out. Okay, but I honestly think that as your pastor, I cannot stand before God one day and I hold back from you what I believe is the truth of God's word just because it's, it's controversial. Okay, I'll tell you what I believe is the truth. You do whatever you want to do with it. Okay, <laughs> so let's start with that. Now, I want to highlight three small things about tongues, and we'll try to cover a lot of scripture here. Um, Number one, tongues can be a prayer language, and tongues can be a gift of the Holy Spirit. This is very tricky, very, very tricky, okay? And that's when a lot of people can look at the Bible and say, well, it says that, and it's true, it does say it. 
And other scriptures, like one scripture says, all can speak in tongues. One say, oh, not for everybody. And that's, everyone takes one scripture and say, here it is. And they're pretty adamant and they love the Lord and they're trying to be faithful to the word. And I see that. But the tricky part is this. Tongues can be a prayer language, a private personal prayer language. And tongues can be a gift of the Holy Spirit. Okay? Just like healing. We talked about that last time. We talked about the gifts. We said that healing is for all believers. Right? Every believer, Jesus said, whoever believes in me can do greater works than the one I do. Right? But then the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 12 that healing is a gift that is given to only few. So which one is it? Is it for all or is it for few? It's both. It's for all because we're all believers, but God has chosen few that he empowered with a little bit more of healing. They see more gifting in it. They see it more frequently. They see it more prominently. And we mentioned that that might be more the evangelists and the apostles and people who try to reach out for the unsaved. Okay? So tongues the same way. It can, it's a prayer language for all of us, and it's a gift for few of us, okay, and it's still for us today. Where do I get that from? There's no Bible for it, okay? There's no scripture that says tongues is a prayer language and tongues is a, public, is a, is a gift for few. So there's no scripture for it. We're trying to see through the scripture and trying to put the scripture all together and make sense of all the scripture put together, and that's what we came up with that conclusion, Okay. So let's turn with me to 1 Corinthians 14. This is one of the like, largest volume-wise passages that talks about tongues. So we're going to look at it, okay? Let me give you a background about what's going on in this passage. The whole chapter, 1 Corinthians 14, Paul is addressing the order of the service in the church, okay? So... From verse 1 to the very end, he's addressing how the church should conduct its service in order, whether in the manner of gifts, whether in the manner of who speaks first and who speaks second, whether of the manner of women and what can they do in the service or not. That's the very end of the chapter. So that's the, the, the point that Paul is trying to tell us, okay? So what we're going to do is like this, okay? Have you ever stood by the side of the road and saw a car passing by, okay? And you're trying through the car that is passing by you to describe and figure out as much information as you can about this car. This is what we're going to do right now. The driver of the car, his intention is not to give you um, information about the car, how it looks like, how it drives, the condition it's in, correct? But the point of the driver is I'm going to go from point A to point P, but we're just looking at the side and trying to get out as much information as we possibly can. Okay? So that's what we're going to do to the text right now. Paul is saying, this is how you conduct the service in the church. He's not trying to give us theology about tongues or who speaks or who doesn't. But we're going to try to look at it from the side perspective and try to understand as much as we possibly can about tongues and how it works and everything. So let's start with that in mind. Some of the verses are very not really relative to what we're going to say, so I'm just going to give you the, the title and we'll move on. So 1 Corinthians 14.1. Follow the way of love and eagerly desire spiritual gifts, especially the gift of prophecy. So what Paul was trying to, I'm sorry, once again the background is, Paul is trying to say that in the congregation of the church to prophesy is better than to speak in tongues Unless there's interpretation. Okay? So this is his point. 
It's better for somebody to speak in a known language and prophesy to the edify the whole congregation than somebody who stand up and speak in tongues unless there is interpretation. Then it's good. Okay, so that's what he's trying to say. So uh, verse 2. For anyone who speaks in tongues does not speak to men. This is essential. Listen to that verse. For anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. Let's pause here. I'm going to ask you a very tricky question. What do you call speaking to God? Thank you. (laughs) Okay, I wasn't expecting it to be that simple. Okay, exactly. This is what Paul is precisely saying here. Tongues is a prayer language. When you speak in tongues, you pray. When you speak in tongues, you don't speak to man, you speak to God. And that's pretty much the only gift that it is not given to serve your fellow man. It's mainly you're serving to God, okay? However, if it's accompanied with interpretation, it's for the edification of the church. So this is crucial. When you speak in tongues, when anybody speaks in tongues, they're not speaking to man, they're speaking to God, okay? So it's a prayer language. And then he says, indeed, no one understands him. When somebody speaks in tongues, nobody knows what they're talking about, and it's true. Um, understand him. He, uh, he utters mysteries with the Spirit. When you speak in tongues, you speak mysteries in the Holy Spirit. Okay? Verse 3. But everyone who prophesies, once again, the point here is, in the congregation, prophecy is better. Okay? But everyone who prophesies speaks to men, For their strengthening, encouragement, and comfort. So that's why he's saying, he's saying like if you stand up and speak in tongues, you're speaking to God, you're praying, but nobody understands anything. But in the congregation, it's better to prophesy, to speak in a known language, so this way the rest of the congregation can understand you, can be encouraged, okay? Verse 4, he who speaks in tongues edify himself. That's another crucial verse. Let's stop at it for a second. When we start speaking about the gifts of the Holy Spirit a few weeks ago, we laid six rules about the gifts, correct? One of these rules is, I mean, let's go back. It's verse, um, chapter 12, 1 Corinthians 12, verse 7. Okay, so here is what it says, 1 Corinthians, 12, um, 1 Corinthians 12, 7. Now to each one of us, the manifestation of the Holy Spirit is giving for the coming good. That's the NIV, for the edification of the church. That's the King James or the New King James. So notice in 1, 12, in 1 Corinthians 12, Paul is saying that the gifts, all of them, including the gift of tongues, is for the edification, not for the person, but the, for the edification of who? The congregation. But here in 1 Corinthians 14, he's saying that he who speaks in tongues edifies himself. So which one is it? Do you edify the church or do you edify yourself? It's both. Because when he's speaking about tongues as a prayer language in 1 Corinthians 14, you edify yourself. You build yourself up. But if you speak about tongues as a gift of the Holy Spirit, then you edify the whole congregation when it comes associated and followed by interpretation. Okay. So it's a prayer language, and it is a gift. If it's a gift, it defies the whole body. If it's a uh, prayer language, it just defies the person. That's verse 4, 1 Corinthians 14, 4. Edify himself, but he who prophesies edifies the church. Okay? Once again, he's saying how in the congregation, prophecy is superior than speaking in tongues. And then verse 5, 
I would like every one of you to speak in tongues, but I would rather to have you prophesy. This is a little bit tricky on whatever translation you're reading. King James, New King James says, I wish that you all could speak in tongues. Give it the impression that not every believer is capable of praying in tongues. But the newer translation has it better. It says, I want you all, I want you all to speak in tongues in the church, but I would rather that you all prophesy. So Paul was not discouraging tongues. He was just saying it's better to prophesy than to speak in tongues in the congregation because people will understand. Unless, he comes back to that and say, unless there's an interpretation followed tongues, then tongues plus interpretation equal prophecy. Okay? So that's verse 5. And then um, I think after that he starts speaking why, for a few verses, I think seven verses, why, you know, even if you listen to somebody from a different language, if you don't know the language, you don't understand the person that he's saying, all that is verse 5 to 12. Paul is talking about the importance of understanding the speaker. Um, we're not going to focus on that. It's very simple, easy to read, easy to understand. relatively not related to what we're talking about, so we're going to move on for the sake of time. Let's skip to verse 14. This is what Paul is saying. Verse 14, this is essential as well. For if I pray in tongues, my spirit prays. These are all like the foundations of what speaking in tongues is about. When I speak in tongues, or when I pray in tongues, my spirit prays. What Paul is saying here that praying in tongues equal praying in the Spirit. It's the definition of what praying in the Spirit is. Praying in the Spirit means praying in tongues. Okay? So whenever you read in the Bible, pray in the Spirit, it's not talking about more spiritual prayer. There is no levels of spirituality in our prayer. There is no a high spiritual, low spiritual. This is prayer in the spirit. This is prayer in the flesh. There is no such a thing in the Bible. Prayer in the spirit in the scripture is always synonymous equal to praying in tongues. This is what Paul said. So whenever you hear in the scripture, pray in tongues is equal to pray in the spirit. So verse 14, um, 1 Corinthians 14, 14. Um, For if I pray in tongues, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. So what shall I do? Do you pray in tongues or do you pray in known language, which is intellect or or mind or understanding, which is obviously what we usually do. He says in verse 15, so what shall I do? I will pray. Here is his conclusion. I will pray with my spirit. I will pray in tongues. Um, I will pray with my spirit. But I will also pray with my mind. I will sing with my spirit, but I will also sing with my mind. Okay, so Paul is not discouraging tongues. Never in the scripture we see a single scripture in the whole Bible. Read this from cover to cover. Now the single scripture says, don't do tongues much. It's not there. It's always how to do it. But it's not never to stop doing it or not to pursue it or anything like that. Okay, so what's his conclusion? He said, I will do both. I will pray in tongues, and I will pray in understanding all I pray in my mind. Verse 16. If you, um, if you are praising God with your spirit, you, uh, how can one find himself among those who are not understand? 
say, um, I'm sorry, I'm just trying to, this is a new Bible for me as well. So anyways, verse 16. If you are praising God with your spirit, how can one who finds himself among those who do not understand says amen to your thanksgiving? Since he does not know what you are saying. You may be giving thanks well enough, but the other man is not edified. Verse 18, I thank God that I speak in tongues more than you all. So Paul is saying here that the context is if you're in the church, somebody stand and pray in tongues and there's no interpretation, somebody next to them, they cannot say amen. They cannot agree because they don't understand what was said. But if you say it in a known language, that's when it's going to make sense and the other person will be edified as well. Verse 18, I thank God I speak in tongues more than you all. But in the church, this is the key phrase right here. But in that church, I would rather speak five intelligible words to instruct others than 10,000 words in tongues. That's the, the key word right there, the key phrase, in the church. And then uh, verse 20 to 25, he's spoken about tongues in context of the non-believer. I studied that. It's on the website, but I'm going to skip through it now because it's not really relevant to us as believers trying to understand the gifts of the Holy Spirit. But the information is on the website as well. So, um, so we try once again to look at this passage from a different angle, from a different perspective, and trying to understand as much as we possibly can with an open mind and trying to be faithful to God to understand what the Scripture says. Okay. Having said all of that, we know that Paul's intention is not to give us theology about tongues, okay? But we can glean from that this follows information. The one who prays in tongues edify himself. <laughs> tongues is a prayer language. Um, if you are in the church, don't do it unless there's interpretation. If there's, there's no one going to interpret, just pray between you and God, but just don't make it public, okay? That's what understand here about tongues as a prayer language. When tongues come to the point that it's being uttered in the church and there is interpretation, then that's the gift of the Holy Spirit. Remember, we said gifts edify the body. The prayer individual language edify the person. So if you, somebody, stand up and give a message in tongues and somebody else give the interpretation, that's when we're all going to be blessed. If somebody stand up and pray in tongues, maybe his spirit prays and he gives thanks well, the Bible says but nobody else understands what he's saying. So it's a matter of order, not a matter of discouragement. Don't do tongues altogether. Just throw it out of the window, okay? So um, we covered all of that. Tongues is a prayer language, and it's a gift of the Holy Spirit. Number two, is tongues as a prayer language for all believers? Tricky one. I mentioned to you before, I, I believe it's like healing. It's for all believers. However, God has gifted some with a very unique um, gift of healing that is more frequent. Tongues is the same way. As a prayer language, it's for all, but as a gift, it's not for all. Where do I get that from? Two examples, okay? I'm just, there's multiple, but we'll highlight two scriptures. Acts 2, 120 disciples in the upper room praying. The Holy Spirit comes down with tongues of fire, and the Bible says that how many, what is the percentage of the disciples on the day of Pentecost who spoke in tongues? 100%. How about, does the Bible say 95%? No. The hundred, all of them spoke. It's different ones. The Spirit gave them the different um, tongues, but they all did it, right? If tongues is not for everybody, it would, have not done, it would have not been for everybody on the day of Pentecost. Okay? But it's for all as a prayer language. Oh, I disagree. I think the day of Pentecost was just an exception to the rule. We cannot make that a rule for the church universally. Here is the one that's going to nail it. 
And I was so excited when the Lord kind of opened my eyes to understand that verse. If you go to Ephesians chapter 6, okay, we read about the full armor of God, okay? And we read in the full armor of God, you know, the, the helmet of salvation, the belt of truth, and you go throughout, I think, seven items in that full armor of God. And then in verse 18, this is the key right there. Verse 18, Ephesians 6, 18, this is what Paul said. And Paul said, after that, you put all the full armor of God praying always in the spirit with all supplication and intercession. Praying always in that spirit with all supplication and intercession. Remember, we made a rule. Praying in the spirit means praying in tongues. It doesn't mean a more spiritual praying, okay? So Paul is saying, when you put the full armor of God, you make sure you pray always in the spirit with all intercession and supplication. And when I was uh, interviewed for the license with the alliance, uh, I was asked, how do you know that tongues is for everybody as a gift, as a, a prayer language? I brought that verse. And um, I was like, here it is. If we're going to be honest to the text, just throw your perception away. Don't come to the Bible wanted to say what you wanted to hear. Just come to the Bible as a pure text you've never seen it before. If we're going to argue that tongues is a prayer language, which is one of the weapons that Paul talked about here in Ephesians 6, is not for all believers, then by being honest and faithful to the text, we must argue that the full armor of God is not for all believers. We can't chicken pick and choose and say, Oh, this weapon is for all, but this weapon is for few. This weapon is for the male. This one is the, for the female. The full armor of God is either for all of us or none of it is for none of us. Okay? Just by being faithful to the text. Okay? So, as a prayer language, it's for all. So, okay, so how about two scriptures that we read that kind of throw us off? Tell us that it's not really for all. Let's go through these. The first one is in 1 Corinthians 12.10. We read that earlier. When we read the passage this morning, it says to another gifts of tongues. So it's not for all. It says here precisely to another. Correct, but it is the gift, not the prayer language. The gift, once again, is not for all, but the prayer is for all. The prayer language is for all. And the last scripture that kind of throws us off is 1 Corinthians 12.30. This is what Paul says. Do all speak in tongues? And it's a rhetorical question, of course. The answer is obviously no. So here it is. It says that not all speak in tongues. Correct. But the whole context here, I think, starting verse 27, is talking about public ministries, being an apostle, being a a teacher, being um, an evangelist, being, you know, like it's all public ministry to the the congregation as a whole. And in these public ministries, administration and other things that he's mentioning, 1 Corinthians uh, 12, 27 to 30 or 32, I guess. Um, it's all public ministries. And as a public ministry, he's saying, do all have tongues as a public ministry? The obvious answer is no, because as a gift, once again, over and over again, it is not for everybody. I'm telling you this because you don't have to believe me. You don't have to agree with me, but I just want to, I don't want to stand before God feeling that I hold back truth from you. You know, uh, this is what I believe God's, God's truth um, don't take my word for it. Go study, okay? And if I'm wrong, come and tell me I'm wrong and I'm willing to be corrected. Number three, why do we need prayer in tongues? Why is that even important? Why is that a big deal? Or is it even a big deal? Okay? I'm going to highlight three importance for us as believers to, to pray in tongues. Number one, when you pray in tongues, you glorify God in unknown language. You praise God. 
Remember what we said earlier, tongues is really primarily a prayer language. It's something that you can use to pray with. And when you pray with it, you actually glorify God. You exalt his name. I'll give you three scriptures that tells us how tongues are mainly to exalt God. It's not for you or for me to talk to our fellow human being. God can definitely use it this way, but that's not the intention. Acts 2.11, here is what it says. The people, the Jews, in the day of Pentecost... We hear them speaking in our own tongues the wonderful works of God. We touched base about this before. The Jews in the day of Pentecost did not hear the disciples preaching the gospel to them in their own tongues. Paul did not stand, uh, Peter did not stand up and preach in tongues saying, Jesus died on the cross, so you don't have to repent therefore and be baptized. No. The people in the day of Pentecost heard the apostle praising God in their own languages. And that kind of shocked them to the core. What is this? How come they can do that? And that's what got them interested in the gospel. And Peter stood up and preached. Uh, scripture number 2, Acts 10, 27, when the Holy Spirit fell on the Gentiles. For they heard, that's Peter and the Jews who went to visit Cornelius and his household. Acts 10, 46. For they heard them speaking with tongues and magnifying God. Glorifying God. So tongues is mainly to glorify God. 1 Corinthians 14, 17. We just read that. When you pray in tongues, here is what Paul said. For indeed, you give thanks well. You praise God well. You give thanks God well. Have you ever been in a worship service and you got so overwhelmed with the goodness and the grace and the faithfulness of God that you just got to the point and said, God, it's just, you're so good, you're so wonderful, you're so amazing, and you just run out of words, you don't know what else to say. That's when tongues are for. That's when you let the Holy Spirit pray in you, and then you start praising God in language that you don't even know. Okay? I'll share a story with you. I was in Uganda in 2013, um, and I was ministering in a small church there. And there was a kid, this kid was on fire. He was a Muslim converted to Christianity. He was great. Anyways, um, he was leading the worship or whatever. And then I was going to preach in a few minutes. And then all of a sudden I'm hearing him saying in pure, perfect Arabic. Arabic is my mother's tongue. And he's saying, to you belong the majesty, to you belong the honor. And he kept saying this perfect Arabic has no accent whatsoever. I totally understand it. He kept repeating it like five, six times. I can't remember the number, but give or take. That's why he, I was hearing it. And I'm thinking to myself, my gosh, this kid didn't tell me that he speaks Arabic. And then after the service, we're in the car driving back home, and I'm asking him, so you didn't tell me you speak Arabic. He's like, speak who? He's like, Arabic. I was like, no, I don't even know a word in Arabic. I was like, wow, that's awesome. So he was praising God in tongues. I heard him because it's my mother tongue. I understood it. Probably everybody else thought he's nuts. But, you know, um, I understood it because that was my mother tongue. It wasn't an interpretation of the Holy Spirit or anything like that. I just I understood it. And he was saying, to you belong the glory, to you belong the majesty. And he kept repeating and repeating and repeating and over and over again. This is what the function of tongues. That's one of the benefits of, of having it. If obviously the Holy Spirit gives it to you, nobody can or nobody ever able to. But it's just when you praise God, you have that power in you that just can praise God in, in language that you can put your mind to rest and let the Holy Spirit pray in you. Amen? Number two, uh, when you pray in tongues, you pray according to the will of God. This is a tricky one. 
Romans 8, 26 to 27. I'll read that verse to you, and then you can go back and, and search it if you want to. Uh, Romans 8, 26 to 27, this is what Paul said. Likewise, the Spirit also help our weakness, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought to, but the Spirit himself make intercessions for us with groaning, which cannot be uttered. Cannot be uttered in a known language. Cannot be uttered. We, we settled that. Praying that. When the Spirit prays, it's tongues, okay? Um, that cannot be uttered. Now he who searches the hearts note, know what is the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according, this is key, according to the will of God. If you go back and read that two verses in the context, it's actually pretty off. It has nothing to do with anything before it. It has nothing to do with anything beneath it. The whole context here in, in Romans chapter 8, Paul is talking about how we are under, we're suffering, and we can't wait for the day when Jesus comes, and all this suffering of this world will just be done with, and then we're just going to have a whole weight of glory waiting for us instead of the lightness of the suffering that we have right now. I think that's what he was saying before. And after that verse, he keeps saying, for all things work out for good for those who love God. So that the context before or after the whole paragraph is about us suffering as believers and can't wait for the day when Jesus comes and will end that over. And then in the middle of all of this, he says, we don't know what to pray about. What do you have? What does prayer have to do with anything here? And what does prayer of the Spirit has to do with anything here? Here is what Paul is trying to say. He's saying sometimes when we are suffering, we come before God, like a church is persecuted, for example. And they come before God and say, God, lift up the persecution. Because that's the context, okay? Christians are suffering and they need it over, okay? So the church come to God and intercede and say, God, lift up this persecution and help us to really be free. This is what we pray in our mind, okay? Our own language. But if we let the Holy Spirit praise in us, because the Holy Spirit pray according to the will of God, that's why he said, the Holy Spirit might be praying and saying, no, God, just wait a little bit longer. Let that persecution go on for another year or so because there are so many salvation can happen out of that. With our own mind, we don't understand all the dimension. We don't understand everything. So sometimes we pray as sincere as we know how, but it might not be according to the will of God. But when we let the Spirit pray in us, then we're praying according to the, to the will of God. The last point why it's good to pray in tongues is what we read in Ephesians 6, 12, uh, and 13 when he talks about the full armor of God. The whole context, Paul was saying that our warfare is not against flesh and blood, but against the powers and the principalities of darkness. That's why you need the full armor of God. And one of these weapons is praying always in the spirit. So when you pray in the spirit, you pray against the, the powers of darkness. And we know nothing much, really, about the power of darkness. When, when you let the Holy Spirit praise in you, that's when you pull down every stronghold of the enemy. Amen? So that's why it's important for us as believers to have that from God. Having said that, obviously, it's God that gives it to you. I just want to encourage you that it is God's will for you to have it. Okay? He wants it. He wants you to have it. God is not a stringent, mean, uh, grunchy old father who's just trying to pick and choose. And if you meet a certain requirement, he'll bless you. And if you don't, he won't. It's not that. Remember, God, the gifts of the Holy Spirit is for how many of us? All of us. For that each one of us should have something. Here is what I'm saying. Okay? Here is what I'm saying. 
this is what I believe the truth of God's word, and I want you to go and seek God's gifts, the Holy Spirit. We command you to do that. We all agree on that. Seek the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We agree all on that. We agree also that they're for all of us. If you disagree with everything I said, and God gives you a gift of healing, for example, and you're just going about healing the sick, but you never spoke a word of tongues, I promise you I'm not going to come after you and say, oh, you're doing it wrong. Okay? Just whatever gift the Holy Spirit, this is what I believe. It's for every one of us. But if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. I don't care. I'm not God. Let God be God. Okay? I'm just trying to be honest to you guys. So when I stand before God one day, I'm not going to be God. I didn't tell them because I was worried, okay, that they might not like me, okay? So seek whatever gift the Holy Spirit want to give you perfectly fine. Trust me. Go do miracles and if you never spoke a word of in, in the Holy Spirit or in, in the Spirit, I'm not going to come after you and say you're doing it wrong, okay? All right. Um, last gift is the interpretation of time. And we are done after that. Interpretation of tongue is simple to understand. This is when somebody stand up and um, give a message. Somebody else can do the interpretation. Um, in 1 Corinthians 14, 5, we, re- we understand that tongues plus interpretation equal prophecy. Paul says in the church, if somebody gonna, it's better to prophesy than to speak in tongues unless there's interpretation. So Prophecy or speaking in a known language equal tongues plus interpretation. So that's um, principle number one. Principle number two, it's okay for the person who gave the message in tongues to interpret himself. We read that in 1 Corinthians 14, 13. Okay, it says, Paul says, if you speak in tongues, pray that you may interpret. So it's okay for you to interpret your own uh, message. But it's okay also for somebody else to do the interpretation. That's 1 Corinthians 14, 27. Uh, so it's okay for you to, to, to interpret yourself. It's okay for somebody else to do the interpretation for you. All the scriptures online, I'm so happy. Um, <laughs> the last point is, uh, notice it is called interpretation of tongues, not translation of tongues. That's a big difference. Because, you know, when you speak a language and you try to, um, like... Somebody, you have a translator and he's trying to translate it. Uh, you've ever been to a meeting and it's like, you say, God loves you. And you're waiting for the translator and he's like speaking for five minutes. I'm like, what are you doing? He's like, I'm just translating. God loves you. <laughs> you know, it's just because of the language and the culture and the background. It's, just, it's not just a simple word like what we have. It's the same thing with tongues. Sometimes the message can be a minute and the interpretation can be half an hour or the opposite way. The, the message can be 10 minutes and then the interpretation a minute because it's, a, it's an interpretation. It's like NIV, not the NASP. Does that make sense? Okay, so it's not word for word. It's just more like what is God is saying to his people. Amen? And we are done with the gifts of the Holy Spirit. I'm excited because I really, my heart, I just want to proclaim Christ, but I don't want to hold from you guys something that can help you and strengthen you to walk your Christian walk. So let's all come before God and pray.